Welcome, everybody, to the Uncharted Veterinary Podcast. Guys, I got a great one for you today. I am here with my good friend, the one and only Jen Galvin. I'm bringing Jen Galvin in. She is practice manager and co-owner at Advanced Animal Care in Fort Mojave, Arizona. Um, It is a great practice. Uh, She is amazing. They have a great culture, and they are doing great things. I am bringing her in because she is equipped to answer this question I got in the mailbag more than anyone, definitely more than me. And I am thrilled to have her here. Guys, I have a practice manager who is going to be buying into the practice from a veterinarian who's retiring. The original plan was that this veterinarian who owned the practice is gonna retire and the practice manager and the associate vet were going to buy together as partners. Something has come up, the associate vet can no longer buy in. The practice manager still wants to go forward, but they need or feel that they need a business partner. How do you find that? What do you need to look for? How do you talk about this? Where can this go wrong? Guys, I hope you're gonna enjoy this episode. And now, the Uncharted Podcast. And we are back. It's me, Dr. Andy Rourke, and not Stephanie Goss, but the one and only Jen Galvin is here with me today. Guys, uh, for those of you who don't know Jen Galvin, she is a dear, dear friend of mine. We talk pretty much every week uh, about life, and uh, we play games together, like board games and and, uh, nerd games, uh, D&D stuff, things like that. We do all the nerdly things together. Uh, She is a dear friend of mine. She is a teacher at Uncharted. She runs with Stephanie our inventory workshop. She does our financial dashboard workshops. She has a workshop coming up at our Get Shit Done Shorthanded Conference, which is a virtual conference in October. And Jen, you are doing your workshop on hiring uh, for this hiring based on culture, right? Yeah. So it's it's using your culture as an advantage in your job ads and turning them into something that's actually going to get people that you want in the seats that you need uh, on your team. Well, so. well I, lo- I love it. And, and also, like when we were laying out the, the content for the conference and everything, it's how you can compete in a super crowded field where everybody is looking for talent. It's to say, what's special about your practice? What is your culture? What are your values? What do you care about? What makes you unique? And then how do you really use that to hire? I had um, I had Jason Sumsky on the podcast a little while ago, who I, I love. He's on, he was on about two weeks ago. And I love that guy. And he's actually doing a, a presentation at, at at GSD about um, about what new grads want when they're when they're being hired, and, and he was sort of laughing at one point. He said, "Your mentorship is what new grads are saying they want." And you look at the job ads, and every single job ad says it offers mentorship. And you go, "Look, when everybody says it, nobody's saying it." And so, anyway, I, I'm really excited about about what you guys do, and you guys have a phenomenal culture at your practice. Um, you are a co-owner with uh, Dr. Erica uh, Cartwright. Yep, Dr. Nope. Erica Cartwright. I, I, am, I know. I completely had a brain fart there. I was like, Dr. Erica, oh God, what's there? And then I was like, she does CrossFit. And if I forget her name on the podcast, she's going to break me. She, um, yeah, she can bench you, Andy. So she totally can. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I'm like, don't mess this up, Rourke. And then I, I was like, Cartwright, yeah. So Erica Cartwright uh, is, is amazing. You guys uh, have such a fun practice. Uh, I will never, ever, ever forget. I think when I really, when you really made an impression on me, the day that we became friends was when you and Erica showed up at the Uncharted Conference in your Dumb and Dumber suits <laughs> with uh, one of you has a powder blue three-peat suit and a top hat, and the other has a neon orange three-peat suit and a top hat. And I was like, 
I think I just found my friends. Yeah. I found my friends forever. Yeah. That was a lot that's of fun. fun. And now we just have to try to up that every year. Uh, so that's going to get interesting as the years go yeah, by. We're going to need, we're going to need more insurance um, at Uncharted. Okay. Well, thank you. Thanks for being here. Uh, you are here because I need your help because I got a great question in the mailbag that I really, really like. And honestly, there's no one else in the entire world that I think is better suited to ask, answer this question than you are. And so I am, uh, let me break this thing out. I'm going to grab it. It is right here. Are you ready for it? I am. Shoot, shoot it. All right, perfect. I am a practice manager and currently own with the managing veterinarian who is approaching retirement age. Our plan was for myself and our current associate to buy the practice together fully next year. Unfortunately, our associate is going through a tough divorce and no longer wants to purchase the practice with me. I am now looking to find what I call a business marriage. And this is when you came into my mind to find a veterinarian that wants to become an owner with me. My question for you both is, do you have any recommendations for veterinarians and managers owning together and how to navigate that? I have found that my current partnership, uh, that in my current partnership, that having both a veterinarian and manager as owners really allows us to lean on each other and have support. All right. So that is one you popped into my head. Business marriage. What makes it work? When you hear this question, um, actually, do you want to go ahead and start uh, to talk about um, advanced animal care and how you sort of came to be an owner with it and what your partnership with uh, Erica, the veterinarian, looks like? Yeah. So we had the fortunate circumstance of working previously together. And so we got to know each other a lot. And I think just like other relationships, you have to know who you're going to partner up with. Uh, and so because we came from another hospital where we knew each other and knew that we would work well together, we were fortunate enough that when the opportunity came to buy a practice together, we, we kind of knew like this is going to work and our personalities mesh really well. And here are the things that are important to me. And this is what's important to you. And do those, do those things align. And if, for instance, like if, Staff appreciation is not high on my partner's list. That's not going to be a good match for me because that's very high on my right. list. And so I think you have to have aligning goals and beliefs and, and culture thought. Um, and if those things don't match up, you know, that's going to be a bummer. And so a lot of those boxes were checked for both of us. And uh, it, I feel like we were very lucky to find each other. And so we purchased the hospital, uh, worked 24 seven on getting it built up. Uh, we bought it April fool's day, which I mean, that just makes total <laughs> sense for Erica and I, yeah. uh, and, uh, we opened July 25th in 2012. So we just celebrated our 10 year anniversary, which we're very excited about. Congratulations. Yeah. 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 It's been, it's been really great. And I can honestly say every year it's, it just gets better and we understand each other better and, and we work on it. We, it's just like any other relationship you have to work on it. Um, so I, it, it was funny. She sent me a text, uh, this year on our anniversary and she said, happy 10 year anniversary. Yay. We still love each other. Uh, and it's true <laughs> because I yeah. seen those go sour, you know? Oh, totally. So I, I think that's a whole other, other podcast. We'll see if we can touch on today. You guys do love each other because you take very intentional steps to continue to be, uh, to be good friends. And I, I, I'm going to try to touch on that in this episode because it's something that you guys do that I, I've thought a lot about. And I just, I think you've got so many things figured out there. So, okay, here's how I want to do this. I want to turn this around to you and say, okay, Jen, you've been through this. Um, 
if this was you and you were going to uh, have, uh, so it's another, it's Jen Galvin in the multiverse. And in the other multiverse, there is no Dr. Erica Cartwright. You are going to have to find a doctor that you are going to partner with to own a vet practice. And you have that realization. I want you to walk me through how you would go about doing this. So start in a headspace uh, place, and let's always start with headspace. How do you get your thoughts aligned? What are realistic expectations? How, how are you gonna get yourself into a place where you say, okay, I have to do this. What am I thinking? And then I'm gonna push you into make me some action steps of how you would go about finding this partner for you based on the experiences that you had. Yeah. So I would start, uh, obviously I would panic first because this person has yes, every right panic. to panic. Like have yes. that, have that moment, like get that out of your system. Be like, you know, get, get that all out first. Then actually think about what do you want this person to, to be like, what are you looking yeah. for? If you don't know what you're looking for and you're just out there, like, I need a vet, I need any vet, any vet will do. Ooh, that's, yeah, that's bad. Like avoid that's desperation, that. right? Yeah. Like let's not get desperate, get all that out of your system and then really think about yeah. what boxes does this person need to check? And yeah. that has a lot to do with your own personality. And I think having, cause you don't want a clone of yourself. That's a terrible idea. If I had to work with me every day, uh, it would be no. awful. I, I couldn't work with myself. And I think oh, no. in our partnership, we have a lot of you know, aligning things where we believe the same things, but we do not have the same personality type. I think that's um, important. Yeah. Where it is very important. And I think having, you know, like Erica is an extrovert. I am an introvert. Um, I'm softer with the team and she is the, you know, she drives, she wants to go, go, go. And I'm the one that mm -hmm. steps back and says, maybe we should just pump the brakes. So I think you really need to, to see who am I, what kind of person am I, and what do I expect out of a business and my team what things do I see in the future? How do I want to grow? And what do I want a partner to bring to that? What puzzle pieces need to fit in? And maybe this person can look at the current partner that they have and make that list of like, what do I admire about this person? What good things do they bring to the partnership? What things do I wish I could change maybe about, maybe don't show them that part of the list, but. Um, yeah, no, keep that to yourself. <laughs> um, but you know, what things do I, do I maybe wish I could change and tweak? Um, and I would start there, honestly. That's, that's where I would start is who yeah. is filling this role? What do they seem like? What, you know, what, what's their personality like? What skills do they have? Um, that sort of thing. Yeah, I like that a lot. I always think that, I love the fact that this person used the term business marriage because I do take a lot of these things back to a relationship level and say, this is going to be your partner. Like they are your business partner. That's what they are. And um, just like a relationship partner, we should stop and be like, what are the deal breakers for me? Uh, what am I What am I looking for? It's not someone who's exactly like me. I think that I, I completely agree. That's not a good partnership. A good partnership is complementary people. Um, and I just, I really, I really believe that. I love how you said it. It's aligned beliefs with complementary skills. And so I, you know, I think my wife and I share very similar beliefs about what's important in life and, and what makes a good life. And we are very different people, but we have that same North star. And I think, you know, we've been, we've been successful in Uncharted because me and uh, Stephanie and Jamie and Ron and the rest of the gang, we, we share a North star and we're all very different people, but, but we're all kind of looking at the same thing as far as what we think is important and, and how we make a difference in the world. And so I, I, I go back to this and I really like 
that idea of going, what's, what's important to me? So I, what I'm sort of taking from you as well is, what are you, I think you have to know what your beliefs are, right? And like, what do, you, what do you care about? And so you said, you know, we have to have the same goals and beliefs and culture thought and uh, staff appreciation and staff support. If you're not, if that doesn't matter to you, we're probably not going to get along because that's a, a key driver for me. So I, I think those, I think those are really, I think those are really important. I, I think, would you make a, um, a deal breaker list? Are there things before yeah. you even talk to someone, you'd be like, yeah, what, what would be your deal breakers? I, Cause I need to get my head around what, what a deal oh, breaker would be that, that I would know going in. Um, I'm sure I would see it immediately and be like, nope, but, uh, but I'm trying to think of what that would be like. Yeah. So, it, I mean, if you have somebody that does the, you know, uh, if, if the staff gets paid, that's enough. Uh, I shouldn't have to do extra yeah. things like staff appreciation is yep. way high for me. Um, you yeah. have to laugh. Like if you are the super serious for me, I can't, I couldn't yeah. work with somebody that is, you know, the hammer that like, we don't laugh. We don't have fun. Yeah. This serious thing. Uh, cause that met is serious enough. Um, so yeah. big sense of humor, uh, is, is really far up there for me. So that, that would be a deal breaker. Um, somebody that definitely, you know, works hard. Um, when you are an owner, yeah. it's different than being just a DVM. It's different. Um, you know, I was support staff for a lot of years and you think, you know, what ownership is like, um, you don't know it until <laughs> you do it. Uh, yeah. and you know, you know how, yeah. it, you know, it's different when you own it. Uh, it's your baby. And yeah. I think that's going to be difficult. Um, it's, it's different when you go into a partnership together and you build something from the ground up. I think something this practice uh, owner and manager has to be wary of too is, you're bringing somebody into that baby. So just, mm-hmm. you know, keep that in mind. So I think having somebody that's flexible, um, it, it's that rigid personality that would be a deal breaker for me in that situation. I, I think one of the big things for me that I think about these days is practice style. I think that there's a lot of different ways to run a practice, mm-hmm. uh, but I think you and your partner need to be aligned. Meaning, are you a white glove, high touch practice or are you a, a high volume, lower cost practice? There's not they're not better or worse. They're no. just they're just different animals. And if I'm trying to be white glove, high touch, and you, Jen, are trying to be let's keep let's let's keep prices affordable and get them in and get them out, we're just going to have a fundamental difference about what we're trying to do. And I, there's you can't run a business when the ultimate goal you're trying to achieve is is polar opposite from each other. So I, I think that that's I think that's really important. I really like your idea. I, I think one of the things that's kind of weird here that makes this a little bit harder is our manager who's writing to us, they've already got a practice. Like it's, it's it doesn't it's not like when you and Erica did it, you were starting a practice and I could see that of we're gonna go in and we're gonna figure each other out and we're gonna attract people that kind of fit with our vibe. There's an existing thing here, and so we got to bring somebody who who fits with that culture. I, you know, a lot of it goes back to what your core values are, and I think um, if you don't know what your core values are, one of the quick exercises I really love is think about the employees that you have, or the people that you work with, or the people in your life who you would love to clone. Like if you could clone them and put them to work in your practice, you would take over the world. Uh, and once you've made that list, I want you to think about those people. And then I would say to you, what specifically do they do? What are the characteristic or traits that you really love about them? And that, my friends, is often your core values, or at least you're starting to get into the realm of your core values, because the things that you admire in these people enough to say, that's the person I would clone, that's something that you care about. So for me, uh, work ethic is a big one. And I think that you pointed that out too. I think my own personal hell would be a partner with someone who was not as invested as I am, or did not want to work as hard on the thing as I do. It's it's like, it's that classic, imagine, um, 
Imagine doing a group project when you're the one who does all the work and the other people hang on, except it's your life. Like that's, that's how I feel about that. I'm like, that can't happen. I would, I would lose it. And I was that person in high school chemistry who did the diorama myself or what, because I just (laughs) wanted it done right. Right. And everybody's like, yeah, Yeah. just let her do it. Whatever. That's, that's my wife. A hundred percent. It's like, she, she will carry the load. I'm like, I'm partnering up with her and I'll, I'll carry my share, but I want to be with somebody who, who would do that. That's, um, you know, integrity is, is, is one of my core values. Like, I don't want to work with somebody who's going to have shaky integrity. Like that's, and I don't, I think it's really hard to figure that out. I think you try to vet these people as best you can. Um, it's a small profession. Uh, you know, you're about to make a big commitment. I, you know, I would try to ask around and see, see what you can sort of learn about people in an ethical way, of course, yeah. we're not going through their trash. Um, that's, yeah, that's, that's frowned upon apparently I found out. Um, <laughs> and so we're not doing that, but, but things like that, what are, what are your values. All right. So, so that makes sense to me. Anything else in the headspace where you're like, okay, I get it. I, I, I'm looking for values alignment. Some people are going to ask, how do you know if they align with you on values? Let me ask you that. How do you, how do you determine that? You're never going to 100% know. So let's just put that out there because you don't know anybody truly until you are with them. I mean, we all have the honeymoon phase with new hires. We've all done the like, this person's going to fit great. And then three months later, you're like, what was I thinking? Um, (laughs) They had me fooled. So I think it's, if you can, and this kind of goes into like next steps, but if you can network enough and find out like, hey, who has this person previously worked with? I'm going to talk to those people and see like, how was yeah. it working with Dr. Who's Wutsi? And yeah. you know what, how did they make you feel? I think is an important question to ask. Not just like, I don't want to know if that, yeah, they gave great va- vaccines and did a good spay. Like, great. Okay. Yeah. How did they make the people around them feel is going to tell you a lot more about how are they going to make my people feel? How are they going to make me feel? Um, yeah. So I think you have to really dig in and ask other people that have worked with this person, because you're not going to know, you're never going to know until it's you in that seat with this other person that you're now sharing a big chunk of your life with. Like, there are weeks where I spend more time with Erica than I do my husband. It's just the way that it goes sometimes. Um, mm-hmm. so, yeah, you're, you're not going to know until you're, you're in it. But I think there are ways that you can, you can figure that out, uh, at least get a good feel from others that have worked with that person. Yeah, I, I like that a lot too. I think based on it, so I love that you're saying that and you're like, you're not going to really know. I, I think I think you send me down this path of like, I think one of the scariest things in life is when you're like, I'm going to make this big commitment and hope that it works out. I, I always find that to be terrifying. And the other thing I've found though, is that I can generally avoid those situations if I really try to. I think any time that you're like, I hope this works out, let's go. Th- that's that's very rarely really required. So go back to marriage, for example. I uh, unless you're getting married on a reality TV show, like you you've got the potential to try this out for a while. You know, I uh, let's be honest. I I lived with my wife for like two years before we got married. Um, I I think we were both like, mm, let's let's see how this goes. Uh, we got we got a dog together. My mom was like, are you sure about this? And I was like, yeah. That's pretty much when I knew we were gonna get married. It's like we got a dog together, and I was like, I really love this dog. I guess <laughs> I'm not going anywhere now. Woman. I'm not going anywhere now. <laughs> yeah. But I had a long time to warm up to that before we actually got married. And so, um, the, the takeaway is get a dog with this person. No, no. the takeaway is get. <laughs> The nice thing about having an existing practice is, is there a pilot program? Yeah. Is there somebody that we can talk to about why don't you come in and in 90 days, 
we're going to start to talk. We're going to revisit this. And if you still think you want to be do this partnership thing, then come on in. And if you don't, then that's okay. I think using the time that we have now to get somebody in, and I would talk to them openly because what you don't want to do is bring someone in. They're there for 90 days and they're like, oh no, I never wanted to be an owner. I, I just came here to, I just want to punch out at five and go home. And you're like, oh, I wish I'd known that 90 days ago. Right. Uh, I would still hire you, but, uh, but I would not be sitting around waiting to see how you felt. Yeah. So yeah, I, I think, I think that that's, a, I think that's really insightful, especially that's a benefit that you have when you're not starting up is you've already got to practice. So can we, can we pilot this thing? Yeah. And I also, I also don't like to set these things up because you can imagine being the person coming in, you're the vet and it's, uh, you're brought in and like, Ooh, let's, maybe you can be the part owner here. We're going to watch you like a hawk and see how you do. That's really weird too. I think I would frame it as you come along and then at 90 days, you're going to see how you feel. And you're going to talk to me and I'm going to see how I feel and I'm going to talk to you. And this has got to work for everybody. I don't like the idea that this is some interview where the current manager has the power and the new person is begging. That's not how I, I want to do a relationship, right? We're both coming together to be like, hey, well, how's this for you? And how's this for me? And, you know, um, this is how I feel and this is how you feel. And let's continue on or let's or let's not. But um, yeah, they have to date for a while, I think is, is kind yeah. of, a, you know, if you're going to do an analogy about it. And I think if you have somebody that is willing to not know your practice, not know your people, not really know you, but they're going to come on and be your partner immediately. That tells you a lot that's, about that person. That's kind of scary. I think that's true. Yeah, I, I think I, it's funny when you put it that way. I go, yeah, that's actually that's a, that's a rather bold, possibly impulsive person that uh, that I I would have questions about. Yeah, that's that's really that's really insightful. Yeah, like if I got a phone call from a vet that said, "Hey, you want to come partner with me out in you know Florida or something?" Uh, I would not just say yes to that. I would, if that was on the table, it would be like, um, how about we do six months of just me being a practice manager, feel out your practice, see if it's a good fit. And then, you know, so I think that's a really smart way to do it is just put them in a, in a role of associate and, date for a while and see how that goes. It sounds ridiculous when you say like, oh, this person would come out and just be our part. I see that stuff all the time. I'm not kidding. I see a lot of people who are like, hey, come and run this practice and be a co-owner with me. I I 100% see those offers all the time and they never feel good to me. And I I'm not going to say they don't work out because there's probably people out there who's like, that's exactly what I did. And it was great. I have always, it has always kind of skeeved me out a little bit for whatever reason. I just, I've always felt like this doesn't feel, this doesn't feel good. This is, I'm much more of a, let's take this slowly and figure out how to move in that direction and make sure everybody's okay before we, before we lock ourselves in. Yeah, for sure. Um, Cool. Andy, do you want to take a break maybe? Let's, yeah, let's take a quick break and then we'll get right back and we'll talk about like action steps. Where do we go from here? Yeah. Hey guys, I just want to jump in here real fast and give a shout out to Banfield the Pet Hospital for making our transcripts available. That's right, we have transcripts for the Kona Shame Vet Podcast and the Uncharted Veterinary Podcast. You can find them at drandyrook.com and at unchartedvet.com. This is uh, part of their effort to increase inclusivity and accessibility in vet medicine. We couldn't do it without them. I gotta say thanks. Thanks for uh, for making the, the content that we put out more available to our colleagues. Guys, that's all I got this time. Let's get back into this. All right, so let's get back into this real quick. We've, we've talked a bit about kind of what we're looking for and let, let's get in some action steps to help this guy out. Um, so we've got our practice manager and um, he is looking to bring somebody else in. 
let's talk about some action steps. We've kind of thought about what's important to us, what our values are, kind of we're bought in on the North Star. We, we kind of like maybe like to take it slow and try this out and see if we can set up a system to date a little bit before we throw into a uh, work marriage. And so I, I like all of those sorts of things. Where do you start to solidify this, Jen? So how does this turn from ideas about what would be good into action? Yeah, so I think I think once you kind of know who you are and what you're looking for, and you know what that other person looks like, uh, I think you really have to put yourself out there. And it's going to be hard. I don't know if this practice manager is an introvert like myself, uh, but you have to get out there. And I think networking is going to be a huge part of of finding someone. Um, we all know trying to hire a veterinarian right now is super difficult. Um, and so that alone is going to be a barrier for this person. And I know that, you know, from coming to Uncharted and going to different conferences, I've met a lot of people and I tended to put myself in a little bit of an introvert box because that's who I am. But I think in this situation, you have to get out there and you have to start rubbing elbows, getting to know some people and then start putting your feelers out and just have some honest conversations. I think it's time to be brave and say what you're looking for. Um, yeah. You can't just wait to see um, if I if I sit in my practice and put an ad out, I'm sure somebody will answer. Yeah, like, that's not going to work in this situation. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I love that. I think you're totally right. I think a lot of people would would sit back, would sit back and, and maybe send some emails or put put an ad out because that's how you find people. I agree with you. I, I'd push back strongly against that and say you have a unique opportunity for a veterinarian. And what you can't do is sell yourself short. Um, hopefully you have a good clinic, uh, a good culture. It sounds like you do. But there's a lot of vets out there who would love to be an owner and they'd especially love to have a partner. Uh, and there's a lot of us who who don't. This is scary to be a practice owner alone, but I would totally be a practice owner with a partner, especially someone who has experience running the practice, who's done it for a long time, who's not green, just like I am as someone who's never owned a business, let's say. Um, I, I think you've got a really unique and interesting offer. I think mistakes that people make is they don't put themselves out there. They don't go to the local uh, vet conferences. I, I say local, you can go national, but... Um, but honestly, people would probably travel for a position like this, but, uh, but at least the local stuff and kind of get out and start to talk to people about what you're doing and what your hopes are. It's a small profession, guys. People are networked. Ask people, say, hey, this is, especially people that you respect. That's, that's you know, uh, when we were looking to hire an, an executive director at Uncharted, the way I started was I went to people that I admired the most in this industry and said, hey, I know this is probably not a position that you're looking for um, because they are generally farther along in their career. Um, I said, this isn't a position that you're looking for, but I really need this person. And this is what's really important to me. Is there anyone that you can think of who you think I should I should talk to or, or reach out to? And I got such a great list of people who said, well, these are the these are people that I would talk to. And ultimately, we ended up with just rock star candidates and, and, and got an amazing, amazing executive director. But um, but that's how I started, because I go, I don't know. It was it was it was it was in an area. Um, our executive director is an operations uh, person. It's an area that I don't, don't know all that well. Um, and so I. I had to ask other people, who do you know who, who could run an organization that's growing like ours? And, and we, we found it. And, and that was great. But it was really that this is what's important to me. This is what they would be doing. 
do you know anyone that you would recommend? And I just found that to be the most effective thing I've ever done as far as going in, not knowing people myself, uh, hardly, and, and, and still coming back with really great recommendations of if you haven't looked at this person. And it turns out I even knew some of the people, but I just didn't know that there would be something they'd be interested in. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I, I, I like that a lot of going out and, and rubbing elbows. So I think that makes a, a ton of sense. But you can't be you can't be a shrinking violet. You can't be a wallflower about it. You, you really do need to put them out. And I also think that that's a whole lot easier to do when you settled on this onboarding pilot trial program, because then it's not like, oh, my God, what is this? It's like, hey, is there anyone who wants to come along? We're going to I'm going to talk to a number of people and then we're going to bring some people in and try them out and see if the partnership might work and, and take our time and, and go from there. But that would be a path to ownership, not in years, in months, potentially, you know, I like that a lot. I really loved what you were saying about like, don't sell yourself short because this practice manager, if they know that end of it and they can say, Hey, I have your back, you can practice medicine and you'll still own a clinic and you'll still have input and you'll still be able to do all these great things that you don't have to do yourself because you've got somebody that has your back. Like that's, that's huge. And I think that's really appealing to the veterinarians that want to own you yeah. know, like you were, that is just, that's huge to me. And Eric and I talk about that a lot. It's like, I don't know how people do this by themselves. It is really scary and it's stressful. And to have that other person that you can lean on, I think putting it out there and saying like, hi, I've got half the, half the load. I'm going to do this part. You don't have to, you know, you're not going to be stuck by yourself doing this. You can be an owner and I have your back. That's, that's a huge thing you can put on the table. So I, I love yeah. that you were, you were kind of touching on that. Well, I think that I think that you're totally right. How many veterinarians out there would love to own the practice? And when they think about practice ownership, what they're really thinking about is the client experience and the patient care and things like that. But the whole business thing is a big, scary black box, you know, and that, that's a that's a lot of veterinarians. And um, that, that's why I say you can't sell yourself short. This is this is really a neat opportunity to come in. To, to make the practice, uh, to affect the culture, to make the practice kind of what you want it to be, especially on the medical side and, and do the things that you're excited about without the scary part of business, if it's a scary part of, uh, to, you know, to you. And I think that's, that's true for a lot of, of vets. One of the things I want to put on the action list that I think, and this is probably, I think people assume this, but I just want to call it out really clear, really, really clear. you got to put, um, there's some behind the scenes work that you've got to do as well. I, I want to... Um, I want to keep my relationship with the current owner good while we go through this process. And so if I can keep the current owner around and engaged and on board with me working on this, bringing someone in, trying them out, um, being flexible, not feeling threatened. And you're like, why would they feel threatened? They're retiring. People are weird. Um, you know what I mean? And like, and, and people get worried about like, when I leave, what are they going to do with my baby? Like th- there's, there's still some real emotions and stuff. And so I would make sure that I'm keeping that relationship strong and, and sort of trying to include that person while also controlling kind of where we go and, and what we do, but making sure they feel heard. They don't feel discarded or cast out or cut off because they do have the potential to make things really hard on you before they go. And so keep them in, keep them involved in the conversation, you know, ask them for advice. Uh, that Those are just basic things of, and, and there's all the benefits that come with it, but it prevents some of those hurdles of the person who's headed out the door um, 
torched in the places they go. And, and again, I, I'm sure this person would never do that, but I, there are people out there who would. The other, the other thing I would say is I would, I would keep, I would keep this current associate who's going through a divorce. I would keep him or her in my thoughts as well. And I would also try to maintain that relationship because that would have to be hard, especially, you know, um, I, I would ideally probably like to keep this other associate. Maybe maybe they wouldn't. I don't know. Maybe they want to be a two vet practice. That's all they want to be. I, I, I don't know. But if I want to keep this other associate again, I'm going to invest some time into this conversation. I, I want to be really supportive. I think this would be emotionally hard for that person who was like, I was going to be the owner. And now I've had this crappy thing happen in my life and it really sucks. And I've not gone through a divorce, but I know people who have, and none of them recommend it as a fun hobby that you should pick up. Um, and so I think that, I think that that would suck. How bad would that suck is you had this oh, big yeah. plan and you go through a divorce and then not only are you dealing with divorce, but you're also not doing this thing that had been your plan. That'd be freaking awful. And so be compassionate to that person, but also mostly because I want to retain that person. And also when I get another owner and I want our previous associate to be supportive and not to be jaded and angry. And so all those things are just keeping balls in the air and keeping relationships strong to make us ultimately a better, stronger practice in the future. Um, anyway, you can, you can't control other people, but. And that associate, they, they may change their mind, you know, maybe in a year totally. or two, like, and if you've burned that bridge or they've felt, you know, segregated or that there's hard feelings there, maybe that will take that off their plate. But maybe in a year or two, I mean, I don't know how long this other doctor that's retiring is going to stay on in this situation, but yeah. maybe that associate will change their mind. Um, and the other thing that I thought of as you were talking is maybe these people are a good source of networking. Maybe the doctor that's retiring out, maybe they have a really great relationship with a local you know, VHMA, or maybe they know other people mm -hmm. that they can introduce you to. Like, Use those people. If that, I know if I'm leaving here... I, if I left my partnership, I don't want to just walk away and be like, best of luck finding a practice manager. Good yeah. luck to you. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm going to help find that replacement, at least in the in the channels and, and places that I can can do that. Um, and so maybe that's somebody that, you know, this practice manager can turn to and say, hey, I, I know you're you're looking to retire. Do you have ideas? Do you know people? you know, what, what thoughts do you have? And, and maybe that's somewhere that they can turn. Yeah, I, I suspect I, I can say how I would feel if I was going out retiring, I would feel some type of a legacy there, or I would want some sort of a legacy. I think I don't think that's, I don't think that's too arrogant to say, no, as you would like to feel like you have an impact that lasts beyond the time that you're gone. Yeah. Um, I, I think everybody kind of wants that. And so I think keeping that person there is, is really important. You know, one of the other things I think is, I think it's understandable if you're the manager bringing someone in, um, and I, that's why I see this a lot. I think one of the biggest mistakes that people make is they float an offer like this to a veterinarian, and they're like, come in, this other person is retiring at some undisclosed time in the near future, and then you will have a pot, an opportunity to be the owner, assuming everything goes well. And that sounds like a really fair offer and a truthful offer and everyone's intentions are good. I, I counsel veterinarians all the time to turn that deal, deal down um, all the time. And the reason is because the veterinarian this is where we have to put ourselves into the shoes of the person who would be the partner. Um, if they come to your practice because of an ownership opportunity or potential ownership opportunity, that's what they're coming for. And I had seen too many vets dragged along, strung along with this 
carrot that keeps getting pulled away. It's like, yeah, you're going to be, we're going to, yeah, I'm totally going to sell to you. It's just, I'm just not ready to retire yet, but soon I'm going to. And I've seen people just feel very, very resentful that they imagine they'd be a practice owner in a year and a half and it's five years and it's still not materialized into a contract. Um, I, I, I see that a lot. I think what's fair to the veterinarian is to be upfront and say, this is the timeline that we're working on. Um, you know, this is, this is what, what we expect the retirement to be. This is uh, what our grace period, our trial period is going to be. At this point, we are going to make a decision and I'm not going to string you along. I'm either going to say, yes, let's do this. Or I'm going to say, no, let's don't do this. But if I was the vet coming in, I would very strongly push for that to say, is it a three month trial? Is it a six month trial? How long are we going to try this for before you say, yes, we're doing it or no, we're not. And we sign a contract saying that this is our intention and we're moving forward because I don't want to come in and get strung along under promises that at some point I will be let to know that I can now become an owner. And so I would push hard for that sort of clarity if I was coming in. And so I just think it's something that that the manager should maybe expect uh, as they as, as they make a plan. Yeah, 100 percent. And they can talk to you know, their legal counsel and get that written up so that everybody understands this is, this is the layout. This is what we're doing. Um, and again, yeah. I think that's setting expectations from the beginning is always better than trying to catch up later. So make sure everybody yeah. is on the same page, uh, you know, and even the employees, uh, mm-hmm. when you think of those guys, like don't leave your support staff flapping in the breeze, not knowing what's going on. They're going to see, okay, one of our doctors is retiring. What yeah. does that mean for us? Are, are they going to have mm-hmm. to fire half of us? I mean, these, you can go, you know, employees can spiral way out. Yeah. Which I think it's and important. They do, and they do. They do. And they, they absolutely do. Yeah. do. So I think it's important to think of who is affected by this and who who needs to be kept in the loop and know what's going on. Yeah. Those, well, those clear expectations as well. And I have pushed this back to the other relationships in the practice. I think having that expectation of, hey, we told this person they were going to be the owner and they're coming in and we have this agreement about how this is going to go. I think that that can be valuable if our other associate who has backed away um, starts to feel resentful or starts to come back and go, you know what? I think maybe I would like to do that. I would like to say, hey, we brought this other doctor in and she's got this agreement and this is what we told her was going to happen. And so the door right now is is closed for that. And you just you should know that before you fall in love with the idea or start to think, hey, now that I see how this is going, I, I think I would like to be involved. Maybe we could have three partners instead of two. It's good to say, you know what, buddy, that's like a great idea. And I'm sure you'd be amazing at it. But I don't we don't have that that option because we set these expectations and this is what's in writing. And the same thing with the current owner. And that actually may end up being the hardest part of this is in order to really do this in the way that we're talking about with clear expectations or people feel good, I need to have a commitment from the current owner about when they are going to step away. Because what I can't do is have the current owner who's like, I'm going to do it soon. Uh, it's like, I need to communicate what the timeline is for this other person to come in and move into an ownership position, which means I need to have a timeline from you for when you're going to transition out. And I think what I would probably say to the owner is this is this is what I need in order to keep the practice going. And I would play to what is good for the practice owner who's leaving is you want a legacy. You want a smoothly running practice. We want to get the best person in here. I need to have this clarity so I can attract that person and build a good footing. The other thing I think I'd probably say for the for the for the current owner is this doesn't mean you have to leave 
you can be a part of what we're doing, but you do need to transition out of the owner position so that we can move on, you know, and we'd love to still have you here and have you around um, in the short term, at least, depending on how things go. But um, but we'd love to have you around. But we, you do need to set a, an ownership transition plan and a timeline so that we can hire for that. Yeah. And I think, you know, you have maybe you have new grads that want to step into the ownership role, but they're, you know, they're, that's tough. You're right out of that school and that's scary time, but you want to own your practice one day maybe the other owner can stay on and that can be part of that agreement that they're there to do the mentorship thing. Yeah. And then they hand the whole thing over. Like there's so many ways to do it. Right. I love that idea. And that also might affect your timeline. Mm -hmm. If you have a new grad who comes in, who says, I'm here, I want to get mentored. I would like to own the practice in a year and a half or in two years, I would like to take ownership. I, I think that's a fair deal. And a lot of times I think a lot of new grads would say, I really want to get, I want to be an owner, but I really want to focus on getting this medicine down. And if I had two years to really just see cases and work and uh, integrate myself into the culture, then I think I could pick this owner thing up. And honestly, I was like, that's pretty, probably a pretty mature perspective to have. Um, it, it really depends. If you got another vet who's been out eight years and they're like, I'm ready to go, let's come in and figure out if this is going to work and I'll take over or I won't uh, and I'll move on. Um, that, that's just a different timeline. It's not right or wrong. It's about what the person needs. So it's just good conversations. And, and the current owner can really help you out by being su- supportive of, of how this transition looks. And that transition is going to depend on the person who's taking it. Awesome. Do you got anything else to add to this, Jim? I mean, I could talk about vet med for hours and hours, but I think, yeah, I think, <laughs> I think we've covered a lot of it. I, I think just really defining what you're looking for and being honest and open with all of the people is just, that's going to really be a huge, a huge thing and get out there and network the heck out of yourself and your practice. Go to vet schools, talk to grads that are coming out, talk to your reps, you know, talk to your Zootis rep and your Patterson rep and your, your whoever, talk to those people. Mm. They know a lot of vets. They know, they talk to a lot of people. You have to put yourself out there and now is not the time to be shy. Yeah, I'm glad you said reps. I should have mentioned that. I, I mentioned that a lot to students or, or to veterinarians looking for jobs. Boy, yeah. your, your industry reps are in all the practices and they tend to, especially the ones who've been around a while, they tend to know the gossip in the practices. They know who's happy, they know who's not. They know who has been standing in line to own a practice for a long time and is really frustrated uh, because they're, they're not getting the opportunity they were promised. They tend to know things like that. Um, they tend to know who's really popular with the staff uh, but is not currently an owner or an upper management or medical director, they, they tend to know that stuff. And I don't think that's a dirty pool. I think that's just saying to these people, hey, you see a lot of practices. If you see anyone that you think would be a fit for this specific role, um, you know, let me know. I think it's different if you use those people to try to try to, you know, hire support staff or things like that. But this yeah. is you're looking for someone to run your hospital. And it's a it's a it's a narrow role. It's one job position. I, I don't I will. I don't see that as as a negative as well. So anyway, that's that's the thoughts. Um, I want to do a shameless plug for the uncharted community here. Jen Galvin, you've been with us a long time. You have uh, you've received the Founders Award, which is the one award that we give an uncharted for people who are other members have said this person helped me more than anyone else. They made the biggest impact on me and they didn't have to. And so you have received that is the highest honor that we can bestow. And you have gotten it. You were one of five people who have gotten it in uh, the five years that we've been uh, in, in existence. What is your favorite thing about the Uncharted community? Why, why are you part of it? 
Oh man, uh, there are so many things I love about our community. Um, I think that uh, we are real with each other is probably, yeah. that is my favorite part is that no one is going to make you feel like you're a crazy person or a bad person or yeah. you can just put your stuff out there and say, hey, I need help. And yeah. here's my thing. And even if you yourself are embarrassed of that thing, like, I don't know all the things nobody does, but you can go to our community and say, Hey, I've got this issue, or this is the, the crazy thought I'm thinking, what do you guys mm. think? And you will get all of these people that, Hey, I've been there. Hey, I dealt with this. <laughs> hey, you're not crazy. Yep. You're not on an Island. Um, that, yeah. is, that is my favorite thing is that we are real with each other and there are genuine kind wonderful people that will help you. I mean, just, you just got to ask for it. Yeah. Oh man. Thanks a lot for being here, Jen. I really appreciate you. Yeah. I love being here anytime. All right, guys, take care of yourselves. And that's it, guys. That's what I got for you. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you got something out of it. Thanks again to Jen Galvin for being here. For being here, guys, if you want to check out Uncharted or the Uncharted community or the Get Shit Done Shorthanded Conference, head over to unchartedvet.com and uh, get registered. Join the community. Check out our online conference if you want. If you want to go that way first, it is October 6th through the 8th. Go ahead and mark yourself off at the clinic so you'll be able to, uh, to participate in what we're doing. Our conferences are super interactive. This is not sitting and watching webinars. This is hands-on working on your own business type stuff. Gang, that's what I got for you. If you got a lot out of this episode, please share it with your friends. Uh, feel free to write us an honest review wherever you get your podcast, all those things that people ask for. Gang, that's it. All right, I'm done. Take care of yourselves. Have a great rest of your week. Bye.